Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. All right, we got a great show for you today. We are interviewing the CEO and founder of a company called Reonomy. We got Rich Sarkis. Now, if you remember, Reonomy was on the TechNest podcast some time ago, and we were talking to their former head of marketing. And uh, we, th- we use this episode really to both catch up on where Reonomy is at today, where they've gone, but also where they're going. And this is, I, I thought this was a, a phenomenal interview with Rich. Of course, we talk about what does Reonomy do? How do they help people in the commercial real estate space? They make data cool as far as I'm concerned. That's how I look at it. They make data cool. Uh, they make it accessible. So take all the information about your commercial real estate from city to city to city. It's got all different types of, you know, it, it, the cities structure it differently and the, the mortgage notes are structured differently and the codes are structured differently. And then they, they make that data usable and comparable. Um, but we go more than just the data and the product talk into this. You know, one of the things Rich mentioned was the importance of putting the customer at the center of what you do and how that has helped shape business decisions, design decisions, product development decisions. We talk about their branding and marketing. Uh, you know, there's not, you know, in my opinion, there's not a lot of data companies that look really cool or it's very difficult, I should say, to make a data company look really cool. And last but not least, you know, I, of course, I think a lot of people wonder about this, and this is a really interesting time to be talking about fundraising. Uh, we talk about you know, what Reonomy has been able to raise, over 120-some million dollars. Uh, their Series D closed late 2019. But what was so fascinating was when I asked Rich about this, he said they hadn't even spent their Series C when they raised their Series D. And he shares why that is. So if you want to hear the answers to that, of course, you know, you're going to have to listen to the episode. So I uh, hope you've got a little bit of time. Sit back. Enjoy the show. Well, hey, Rich. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back. Uh, you are now only the second company to get two features. Wow, on that's an honor. On the Nest podcast. So uh, good for you guys. Uh, hey, let's start the show correctly here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm Rich Sarkis, and I'm the CEO of a company called Reonomy, which I founded about um, eight years ago now. All right. And Reonomy, as I mentioned, was on the show previously. Uh, we had Sam, uh, who was your head of marketing. Uh, great guy, super intelligent, really yep. smart guy. Um, and I mentioned to you in the, in the pre-show here, you know, I've, I've admired Reonomy a little bit from a distance. I'm not a customer, uh, but it's because you guys kind of do something that's a little nerdy. If it's okay, I say that. It's okay. We embrace the nerdiness. But it's cool. You know, <laughs> you know I think it's cool. It's always looked cool. And it's nerdy chic. Nerdy yeah, chic. Exactly. Boom. Yeah, that's go. the new prop tech, by the way. Because Beckerman said it's dead. Uh, the new right. prop tech is nerdy chic. There it is, folks. Uh, all right. Let's, let's get right into it. So for those who aren't familiar with Reonomy, what's the big problem that Reonomy solves? Um, well, so when, when we first started, the big 
our first product was solving was a pretty simple one that resonates with a lot of people in general and definitely resonates with people in commercial real estate, which is how do I make more money faster? We'll stop, right? Uh, and, and that's really what we boiled it down to and distilled it. And, and uh, we figured out that if you're a broker, if you're a loan originator at a bank, if you're an investor or developer, it doesn't really matter what the various sort of angles or use cases, whether you're on the debt or equity side of the transaction, or if you're just facilitating a transaction, essentially what you're trying to do when it just all boils down to it and you're just honest with yourself is you're trying to make more money faster. So we built a web-based application that allows uh, those three main groups, but others as well, mm -hmm. to make more money faster. That was the first use case, which has since evolved into many other use cases, but that remains a very strong core component of what we do. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, practically uh, walk me through some of the, the, the use cases in which yeah. people would leverage Reonomy to make more money faster. Yeah. And again, this is for the web app. I'll talk a little bit about how large enterprises at this point, large Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies are leveraging our data and our analytics, which came uh, about about two or three years ago. So after a number of years of R&D, but essentially for our core uh, product, you can think of that product. It's a web-based application. Uh, as I mentioned, the easiest way to think about it is like a Zillow for commercial real estate. So you and I would go to Zillow to find your dream home in a Chicago neighborhood or mine, you know, in Westchester County or whatever. We put all our parameters, mm -hmm. how big we wanted, all that stuff. And it would sift through. And to your point, Zillow actually does a lot of nerdy stuff on the background. It's going through all the MLS data, other data sets, tax assessor, crunching all of that and then saying, okay, here are the three dream homes that you should look at. And you can click on each of them and really drill down. Mm -hmm. That really didn't exist in a ubiquitous way for anything that's not a single family home. So literally duplex and above uh, and all your other food groups, retail, warehouse, office, vacant land even. How do you, if you're a developer, find the five contiguous tax, tax lots in Boise, Idaho that you can then assemble and build a strip mall? right? Mm -hmm. That's really hard thing to do. That would take weeks or months of ferreting through public sources, talking to brokers, literally canvassing on foot. Uh, and what Reonomy allows our users to do is do that type of search and exploration mm -hmm. uh, from the comfort of their desktop or mobile if they happen to be on the field. Um, and, and so one specific use case maybe to just make it even more concrete is if I'm a loan originator at uh, JP Morgan or Wells Fargo, and I, my job is to find owners and their properties who are in that refinancing window, right? They've got a mm -hmm. five-year loan, a 10-year loan, doesn't really matter, or they took out a loan within a specific window. I want to get them on the phone or contact via email. Increasingly, digital is an important medium of, of marketing or even snail mail that we've found that, that a lot of people want to use mm -hmm. old-fashioned mail. But I want to get your attention as the owner who's in that refinancing window so that you refinance your loan with me. That's how I get paid as a loan originator. That's how JP Morgan or Wells Fargo makes money. And that's frankly how the owner benefits to take out some equity or refi with a lower rate. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm familiar with some of the, the products that do exist of like, hey, we'll help you find the properties off market and you know, send your letters and that sort of thing. But it, you guys have gone beyond the scope of just an investor who's just looking for that next quick flip or right right you know, the listed property that's for sale and all that stuff yeah that's a right. very narrow universe right now but in doing this with commercial you said it hadn't really existed prior to Rianmi. what what makes commercial 
difficult? Yeah, well, specifically what hadn't existed, because there's always been these sort of top of pyramid point solutions for the biggest asset classes in the biggest markets, and you could find research around that. But what if you wanted information on a triplex or a duplex, as I mentioned, in a secondary or tertiary market, right? Mm -hmm. Or in Boise, Idaho. Again, I don't want to mm -hmm. pick on Boise, Idaho, but I've always got it in my we mind. We can pick on Boise. I mean, I've got a few that I could rattle off, but I like Boise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so what makes it challenging is that when you zoom out across the U.S., you're talking about 3,000 different counties, a little over than that, actually, over 20,000 municipalities. Each one has its own data ontology or data model, right? Mm -hmm. And so you've got to find a way to link and connect all of that data, supplement it with other third-party data from title companies, credit rating agencies, geospatial databases. And, and those data sets are, are sort of coming up more and more, right? Mm -hmm. Mobile location data, traffic data, crime data, census data. Census, you know, is about to come out, uh, hopefully, um, you know, in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you need a system um, and you can't really brute force it when you really want to cover all the assets because it's 50 million. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you're only focusing on one market and one type of asset, you can sort of brute force it with, hundreds, if not thousands of people sort of combing through that manually. But if you want to do it at a ubiquitous level nationwide, literally like the Zillow for commercial real estate, you need technology to do that for you. And yeah. That's what we were able to do. And, and what you're saying, like even, even like within one county, township to township, you know, there could be things that like what Absolutely. a zoning actually means. I'll give you a concrete or, example. I'll give you yeah. a concrete example. And this is one that, that, you know, we got very wrong initially this was our oh shit moment pardon me uh right so we, we i like actually, this top of the show we're going for an os let's do it yeah yeah well it's it's, it's a pandemic you can say what you want these days <laughs> you dress how you want you say what you want um and so we started in new york and we built that product that i was mentioning across the five boroughs and, and we sort of uh, we said we used ai and machine learning but we didn't it was marketing it was razzmatazz right what we really had we have tech but it was all rules based right these were literally rules that i sat down with our early developer and developers and said okay well if a mortgage is filed in this sequence you add them all up and it's likely a construction loan if you see this kind of thing in the document then you just take the last one and that's going to be the amount of debt and it worked really well in new york and full of confidence and i would say bravado we're like, okay, well, let's bring on more capital. And the standard line of thought here is if it can work in New York, you should be able to do it anywhere. Oh, right. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere, right? Right, yeah. Uh, and so, yes, the, the standard line of thought was we can copy paste what we've done in New York. Works really well there. And it's a big market. Let's copy paste it to the second largest market. And we even got a round of funding from Bain Capital around that thesis. And that's where the wheels came off the bus, right? That was the OS moment, uh, as mm -hmm. I mentioned. And the reason is when you actually double click on, uh, on LA, LA County is actually made up of over 80 different cities and municipalities, okay? Beverly Hills, Encino, Calabasas, uh, Malibu, the list goes on and on and on, over 80 of them. Wow. And to make matters worse, each one of them records data and structures data differently. So a mortgage document in Encino looks and feels and is structured differently than a mortgage document in Calabasas is different than one in, uh, in Santa Monica and downtown LA, et cetera. So um, that's where our approach in New York, needless to say, didn't really work. And we had a little bit of an existential crisis. This is going back, you know, six or so years now. 
mm-hmm. um, where we had to retrench as a company because we had sort of gotten ahead of our skis, right? Because we were very confident that what worked, as you said, in New York, why wouldn't it work in LA and then San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, Miami, everywhere in between. Uh, but we were very wrong. So we had to go back to the drawing board. And that's where we, for the first time, truly leverage machine learning and AI to build a purpose custom built system that could resolve any record in a public or private uh, data set mm-hmm. to a unified common ID. And that sounds like, again, somewhat nerdy, but somewhat simple. <laughs> I, I can't imagine why that's not listed on your homepage. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, uh, and, and really the easiest way to think about that is how do I, how do we know that this rich Sarkis is not the same as this other rich Sarkis? Well, in the U S we have something called a social security number, right? Right. And this is the Tupac Shakur. Are, are you following this? No, I'm not. There's, but there's a guy in, um, was it Kentucky? I think it's Kentucky. Okay. His real name is Tupac Shakur. And the governor, someone accused him of like faking his name for like, Really? Receiving uh, uh, benefits. And he's like, hey, whoa, it's my real name, you know? And then the governor apologized and he said, no worries. I, I know you're, you've got a lot going on right now. But. Hilarious. Yeah. You know, if there's two Tupacs, you need to figure out who's who. That's hilarious. I warn you, somebody might knock and now nobody's there. I'm just going to quickly, real quick, open the door. Okay. Okay. I am right back. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Ooh. You're all good. We'll magic that one away or it'll yeah, be yeah. a COVID moment. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll cut that out. That's amazing on the two-pack thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It was trending uh, along with Ross Perot this morning. So yeah, but so basically that, that's the gist of it, right? You need a unique identifier that can disambiguate this building from that building in that market. And Initially, we said, well, that's going to be easy. We'll just use the address, the parcel uh, number, lat long or something. But that didn't really work. So we had to create our own. We didn't creatively. This is where marketing and branding sort of failed us. We called it the Reonomy ID and said, oh, we'll come up with a cool acronym later. We never did. It's still called the Reonomy ID. Um, and we had a funny story in that. We actually thought, oh, well, let's do the ID, right? Real estate ID, Reonomy ID. And then we go to reid.com. And it's a advanced police interrogation technique that's been patented around how to get people to confess their crimes. So I'm like, ah, okay, maybe. Well, I mean, hey, it is time for the property to confess who it yeah. is and what it allows for, you know? Exactly. So that Reonomy ID and, and the NTD resolution, the machine learning system around that really is the crux of our core IP and differentiation. And then to your point, that's the nerdy part. And what we try to do is marry the nerdy and the complex on the back end with simple, elegant, intuitive solutions on the front end. Yeah. And I, I, see, I'm so glad that you brought all this up because I wanted to ask of like, hey, okay, so now going through this site, you know, there's a lot more mention uh, or, you know, the, the mentioning of AI and machine learning yeah. is very front and center when I'm looking yeah. through the technology and, you know, to, to no fault of other startups who are aspirationally artificial intelligence or aspirational machine learning, as you mentioned, a lot of it is marketing hype. Um, And, you know, figuring out how to actually do those things with real estate data, it sounds difficult, (laughs) but you guys have been working on it now for several years. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and part of that, you know, this is what's created the Reonomy ID, and this is what enables you to, to do what really no other provider in the market currently is able to do of like no. taking, you know, even in Chicago here, taking, you know, Chicago, I think Chicago County is one county. Cook I'm county, still not yeah. from the area. Cook and then you got Cook County, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so you have the city and, and then surrounding city and then marrying those together. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I can actually do comparisons between the two. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And then, and, and what we stumbled on, and, and to your point, just to, to, to riff a little bit on that point around like, uh, other companies that, you know, sprinkle AI and ML. Absolutely. And I get it, right? I, I, and I even said, right, I even confessed, we were sort of guilty of that seven, eight years ago. And you do it to sort of like, get in the door, right? To, sure. to sort of, uh, convince the CIO or CTO or whomever at the brokerage, at the big bank, at the insurance company or whatever. But you can only do that for so long, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, eventually, and we are finding this definitely over the last uh, 12 to 18 months, and I think we're going to see that really uh, emphasized now going forward, is that companies are really looking for true technology to, uh, to sort of transform their data and to enhance their thing. And they are now savvy enough to know what's real and what's not, right? Because if I come in and I say, I can cleanse your data, normalize it, validate it. And, you know, your eyes light up. You're like, great, this is, where has this been? I've, I've just been uh, spending millions of dollars trying to build my own system. It doesn't work. I have to maintain it, et cetera. Right. I, I would love that solution. Sign me up. And I say, well, okay, great. I'll take a little bit of your data and I'll come back in six, eight, nine, ten 10 weeks. That sounds suspicious, right? And uh, whereas if you've got a complete API suite, you say, I've just, in this conversation, giving you a key, it's in your inbox, here's the documentation, you can actually do it yourself. It's an open uh, mm -hmm. platform and within minutes, you can bulk upload, upload all your data. You maintain full ownership and custody of the, your data. We don't take the data. You're just yeah. hitting our APIs and it has cleansed it uh, and normalized it back to you. That, that's the kind of solution they want. And they that's need. a good litmus test. It's kind of like, shall we call it the Theranos test? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's, if, that's a great way of putting if it. If the instant yeah. blood test takes right. six weeks to, co to calculate, exactly. it may not be instant. Exactly. I, you, you actually articulated it really well. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to use that going forward. Because yeah, there you go. The Theranos uh, test uh, shall live on. Uh, yeah. That was not all for naught. Um, no. <laughs> I'm curious. So in some of your models, you know, so right now we're a little bit of yeah. uncertain times. Uh, interestingly enough, that is a trending term. If you look it up on Google, uncertain times, yes. uh, you know, down economy, up economy, sometimes tools when they're, when they're built is considering the environment around them. And of course we have considerations, right? So a lot of people, like when I, when I bought my first rental property in 2015, I had the consideration of if the market drops 20, 30%, can I pay my mortgage? Yeah. Like if I lose 20, 30%, am I going to be underwater or is it going to, am I going to be cool? So a lot, I think a lot of people built those assumptions in what we're facing is a little bit outside of what most would have factored into reasonable assumptions. How does Reonomy handle uh, up economy and down economies? Does that change how your data set is structured or are you built to withstand yeah, sudden changes? Question, and as you said, a very topical one. It, it doesn't change how our data model and our data engine is structured. We're, we're, we've built it now in, a, in, as I mentioned, a flexible way that can ingest any data set, whether it's public or private. 
third party, et cetera. Uh, what we have seen change though are the use cases and the data that is requested or needed or helpful in a down economy. Uh, as an example, um, people are looking for distressed assets or signs of distress, right? So pre-foreclosure or foreclosure, tax arrears, tax trends, as an example, uh, loan-to-value ratios, right? Given mm -hmm. sales comps versus how much debt is on a property. Those are all things that we are seeing trending now on the platform in terms of uh, usage. Uh, whereas, you know, when the sun's out, yes, of course, developers are always looking for that one asset that's sort of distressed that they can rehab or flip or, or do something. But you know, usually rising tides lifts all ships. So they're saying, I don't have to worry as much about finding that one gem in a, in a real bull market. But in those quote unquote uncertain times, it really places a premium on that type of data uh, specifically. Um, we found yeah. very saliently on our data set. Yeah. Uh, I have so many like selfishly motivated questions to understand about like different markets and, and data, but I'm Just not sign gonna... up. It's a free trial. <laughs> I, no I, I, think, I think I've used one or two of those, but I'll try a different email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You're one of those. Yeah. We, we know. What? I mean, you know, you could do some research here and there, you know, <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so walk me through though. Um, you know, so we talked a little bit about the practical uses and obviously, um, you know, especially if you're, going to be leveraging Reonomy to the fullest capacity. Um, it sounds like there's maybe a little bit of engineering required uh, to, you know, to access the yeah, data if, through if you API. Are large, if you are a large company and you want access to our data feeds products or our intelligence systems products, data feeds is literally where you are hitting our APIs to ingest our data in bulk and mm -hmm. augment your own view of the world. I, I liken it to widening your aperture, right? So I like that. I'm a brokerage firm, an insurance company, a lender. I want to know everything there is to know about every building and every market. Even mm -hmm. though I'm not going to lend to a duplex, it helps me to know what the inventory around the multifamily that I'm lending to is, right? So you need engineering. And likewise, if you want to access our intelligence system, an example of that is that NTD resolution where if I have, if I'm a big brokerage firm and I have leasing databases, valuation and appraisal databases, capital markets databases, research databases, they are not linked. They are not uh, relational. And so I need a way to link all of those databases on an ongoing automated uh, basis. And that's where you can leverage our APIs to do that. Uh, but that does require engineering work. Uh, now we have, as I said, web-based solutions that don't require any engineering. And, and the users there range from, you know, we have over 100,000 users who wow. use just, you know, that Zillow for commercial real estate. And then we've got professional versions uh, of that. So if you're a team of 12 loan originators in the same office and you want each of you has access to Reonomy. You can collaborate, you can exchange notes, information, permissioning, et cetera, using the Reonomy for, for teams and the professional version. And on that professional version, like um, those would be then, like as you mentioned, like leasing offices, maybe uh, wholesale mortgage brokerages, uh, your nationwide firms. Uh, no, they can be regional. They can okay. be regional. Yeah, definitely regionally focused. Uh, um, the nationwide firms are really big ones, right? Uh, I'll, I'll just use banks as an example, right? The JP Morgans, the cities, the Wells Fargo's, those would tend to use those data and, and uh, analytics products because they Got have it. the engineering resources. The 4,000 plus regional banks, 
right? The Bank of California, the mm -hmm. uh, TD Bank, et cetera, they tend to use the web uh, professional uh, version of it. Got it. Within specific offices. Very cool. Yeah. So, and, and I think this is one of the things that stood out to me uh, when I was first looking at Rianmi because, you know, there, there are some, I'm not, I'm not going to put anybody on blast today. We'll be nice. But there are some services out there that, you know, will say they do something similar. But I see what they're doing and they're really only appealing to the fix and flippers. And that's where I know, like, there's a very finite limit that they're going right. to. But I right. see why, and this probably explains, and, and we'll get to it a little bit later, talk about fundraising. But this explains why uh, some of your investors see how much bigger the vision is and where Reonomy goes from here. That's exactly right. You know, they share our view uh, at Reonomy that we really built the platform for commercial real estate. And what that really means is a, a series of applications and products that are built on a common data framework and model. Right? That's just a simple way of, of putting it. Um, and so the same way you use Salesforce as a platform to solve your lead gen contacts, companies, et cetera, mm -hmm. you use Reonomy to solve your property intelligence needs. Uh, and whether it's you as a big bank building your own applications, uh, using our data feeds and our uh, intelligence systems, or whether it's you leveraging our own apps that are built on top of it, uh, that Zillow esque app as an example, uh, there are a myriad solutions that basically uh, are all tied together around the Reonomy ID and that data model. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm curious though, uh, not all markets are the, are the same, especially when it comes to tech adoption. Yep. Um, but you know, it's been a few years now. You guys have worked and, and built a, a very, uh, I think, recognizable brand. Uh, are you seeing adoption range from geo market to geo market, or are you it kind That's of a really good question? And one intuitively, I thought that when we and I actually had a cool board slide. What I thought was a cool nerdy board board slide. It's like, well, it's did it show dots all over the country? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the movie Outbreak. Uh, <laughs> topical, maybe a little too soon, but you know, and these shows the, the the virus spreading. I've well, heard of it. I haven't seen it. Uh, well, don't see it. It's not worth seeing it right now. Uh, okay, we're good. living it. Um, and so I had two slides. The first slide, which was here, is a heat map of where all the Rayonomy users are in whatever the date was going back five, six years ago. And it was uh -huh. just a, a bubble on New York City, right? Because that's where all our users were because we only had data on New York, right? Yeah. So only really regionally, locally focused folks uh, there. And then I had a few months later, here's a heat map of where all the users are. And it was literally everywhere, right? And maybe maybe North Dakota didn't have a bubble or something like that oh, at that time. What about but Montana? That's the yeah, that's my mug yeah, today. Probably had a bubble. Um, and so, and that has definitely accelerated over time. And so if you were to paint a heat map of where all our users are, essentially the entire country would be painted uh, in that. And what we found is that, again, there's a little bit of a, the democratization of data where historically this type of data, this type of analytics has really been uh, only for the top of the pyramid, those full-time professionals who work at the big banks, the big brokerage firms who can afford the five, maybe six, in some cases, seven figures a year to pay for this type of data and analytics, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But what if I'm a mom and pop developer or, or residential broker who aspires to be commercial, what we call resi commercial brokers, or even a lawyer, a doctor, a dentist, 
who is interested in potentially buying a multifamily because I heard from my buddies that that's a good way to make money, a safe new way. Where do I go there? And it doesn't matter if you're in you know, a secondary or tertiary or large market, you still have that same need and interest, et cetera. Uh, and so we've found really broad-based adoption across this, what we consider to be a massively underserved long tail of users. And there's millions of these people who are potentially interested in the broadly defined world of commercial real estate. I love it. And, and, and that's so cool that here, like, I mean, you've been able to like, obviously the enterprise price sticks around where those big corporate offices are, but then yep. you have this, you know, uh, as listed on the site, you know, the professional yep. level uh, web app available. Yep. So you don't have to be a data scientist to be able exactly. to leverage the data to understand exactly. what you should be trying to pivot or how to, you know, you exactly. know, manipulate it, you can look at it and get something that's actionable. You nailed it. Love it. Uh, that's cool. I, I, I do appreciate data that's more than just vanity metrics. Uh, <laughs> charts and graphs are fun and, and they're great and they're impressive on presentations. Um, and you can make a chart and graph, make it look like it's something, but if it's- You can make it look really pretty. Yeah. yeah, but if it's not actionable data, if there's nothing you can take away of what should I be doing with this, um, totally. it's particularly empty. Um, I want to talk about branding for a minute though, uh, because obviously I'm a marketing guy. Uh, it's something that I'm interested in. I don't do my, you know, my, my professional career has not been heavy on the branding side. I'm a very much a, a direct consumer, direct response type marketer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, you guys, as I've mentioned, like you've taken something kind of nerdy and you've made it cool. And there's, there's very intentional, um, branding marks and styles that I pick up on and I'm looking at when I'm looking at different companies. And I, I've admired Rianmi on, on how you guys have done that uh, over the last few years, even just, I would say the last you know year and a half or so, I've seen yeah. a remarkable tightening of that. Um, what, first off, what drove that? Uh, because I could see like, you know, I mean, you guys are venture backed. So growing consumer base is very important and it doesn't always come with building a big brand. You know, it's usually just optimize the funnel, just get people in. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. and it, it, it's a really important, but, but yet often overlooked and, and subtle point. Uh, and it goes back to, I think what I said, where our investors, especially in the series C and series D, the ones, you know, we did a series D late last year, a series mm -hmm. C the year before, uh, they really invested with the belief that we had building this platform, the system of record, for this massive asset class. And if that's the case, and if you believe that and you have conviction, then it really is a matter of you are building a company of consequence. And it doesn't matter what your revenue ends up being this year or next year, you're building for the next three, five, 10 years in that vision, right? Uh, and if that's the case, and if you have that fundamental belief, and we're, we're very meticulous in, in finding the right partnership with our investors. we Because we, some investors, you speak to them and they, look at the metrics and say, yeah, this is really exciting. I see the growth and like, yeah, let's, let's, you should take more money and you can double the burn and you'll, you know, more than double the top line and let's just really go for it. And it's all about the SaaS metrics and all that stuff to your point, top of funnel. Yep. To me, they are missing the point about us as a company. Um, and so our current set of investors, our board, myself, our, our, our execs, all are centered around that belief around that big platform for that massive asset class. And in order to build that, uh, much more important than uh, sort of real top of funnel. That's still important, right? It pays the bills and you've got to grow. Oh, sure. Yeah. But more important for the long-term strategy is that notion 
of brand with a capital B? What do you stand for? How do you take what you're doing, your mission, your vision, distill it in a way that's easily understandable, not just for the large companies, but also that mid-market and those uh, long tails of individuals. And so that really is why branding is so important for us. And, and uh, we've really reaffirmed that uh, over the last, as, as you mentioned, 12 to 18 months. I'd say, you know, the, probably the takeaway there for other founders who might be listening is uh, have this story before the metrics. Is that, is that the takeaway? I mean, Absolutely. you have to know who you and, are and, and, you and what you're doing. You can't have the story without the metrics, right? So it's kind right. of like this. Uh, double-edged sword or, or you know you're two sides of the same corn coin you definitely have to have the story um, before the metrics because that really is the that's the nucleus um, and you know depending on what stage you're at look seed series a even series b you can you can have mostly story and, and and sort of have aspirational metrics and sort of sell the dream so to speak but at some point the metrics which really means the markets right the dogs are eating the dog food Food, uh, that is the litmus test of like that your story is one that really resonates, right? Mm -hmm. Because yep. if it only resonates on paper, only resonates to you or even to your investor, then uh, that's not okay. That's not a sign of a big business either. Yeah. No, I, I think that's uh, some really good advice. I mean, that's you hear a lot about story, but what does it matter? What does it look for? And clearly, what you know for you guys, like it's it's showing that you're not just a you know this is for commercial broker business, right. you know, it's not just for the guy who wants to buy real estate or it's not just for the broker who wants to sell real estate. This exactly. is exactly. much bigger making exactly. commercial real estate asset class accessible to all businesses because yeah. it impacts well, literally all businesses. Yeah. That's I the mean, thing. Right. And, and we, we, I did not realize that when I founded the company, just how ubiquitous, you know, this could, and this would become because you nailed it, right? Like who, and as an individual and what business is not impacted by uh, commercial real estate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, you you kind of shared earlier a little bit about something that hadn't worked early on, which was, you know, trying to take the New York model and yeah. copying it over to LA. I'm curious if you've got another story in there uh, of something you guys one. tried yeah, that yeah. maybe failed. You don't have to go failed miserably, but if you got one, I, I'm yeah. always, always. I mean, that was a bad one. I, I like to joke that with that one, I had a nice luscious head of hair like you did, and then that happened. <laughs> and then, uh, this is the result. Uh, maybe I haven't been working hard enough. That's why I got all this hair yet. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that's the case, but uh, you know, you yeah, you want another failure? All right, uh, let me see. Uh, look, what. You know, this is less around like a big dramatic failure and more around a fail fast mindset that we do have. Uh, one thing that I am not is I am not a commercial real estate expert. I did not grow up uh, in a commercial real estate family. I did not have a job in commercial real estate. I wasn't a broker. I wasn't a, you know, an investor, a developer or anything like that. Like a lot of other quote unquote prop tech founders are, right? They live the pain and they said, oh, well, I want to build the solution to solve it. Uh, but as a result, I've just been a lifelong entrepreneur. Uh, but as a result, what we, what I have done personally and what we have done as a firm is really place this customer at the center of what we do and put in front of them what it is we're trying to build, right? And really early on with uh, wireframes, designs, not trying to spend too much expensive engineering resources, building something for several months or quarters or even longer and then saying, hey, here it is, do you like it? And then telling you no, and you've wasted all that time and money and resources. No, you put designs in front of them and, and you solicit feedback, good, bad, and ugly. And so 
we have scores of you know wireframe designs, ideas that we have put in front of our customer uh, groups. Right, we have a, an advisory council. Uh, we can A-B test a lot of this now because of all those users that we have. Mm. And they have completely sort of thrown up all over it and said, this is just terrible. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that they've said, this is great. And they've sure. made their sure. way into the product or have become standalone products over time. But, um, you know, to some extent, you've got to train yourself to have that thick skin and not take it personally and not say, oh, no, no, no. Actually, you don't understand. This is how you use it. No, if they don't understand... And that's the full stop, right? Uh, yeah. You've got to take that as the feedback and go back to the drawing board. So uh, our mindset really one is, of, of, uh, we call it failing fast, so that you put it out there, you get the feedback, you listen to the feedback, you accept the feedback, um, and you, know, you iterate on that. And if that means that some stuff goes to the sort of proverbial graveyard or product development, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Was that something that came out of discussions with VCs asking, you know, do you talk to your customers or was that always a mindset that you had early on? No, it's always been a mindset. And as I said, I I think it was born out of the fact that I knew what I didn't know. And that was most everything as it relates to commercial real estate. And so I needed to talk to the loan originators at JP Morgan. I needed to talk to the investment sales brokers at Cushman Wakefield, the developers, uh, the analysts at Tishman Spire in order to get that Mm feedback and that knowledge that I did not have firsthand. Yeah. I, Cause I, I would agree. It, 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 the common story is I tried to do this thing. I didn't have a better way. And so then I resolved to I built fix it, it myself and yeah, now to build it myself. Everything. And I think with a and lot of real works. estate, I'm not knocking that. That, that works. Yeah. It, it's hard to, to be in the prop tech vertical, if you will, yeah. without having had real estate yeah. experience because it's just nuances and there's just yeah. ways that are, things are done and reasons why no one has built something to, to complete yeah. it. But it sounds like, you know, possibly like your non-experience in real estate, but openness to research. It, it, it did. It, it helped. It was, it was a bit, yes. In, in our case, it did help. It also helped in a sense that we did not, I did not come with the baggage or preconceived notion of certain things won't work because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, and let's face it, right? Commercial real estate, yes, it's gone through peaks and troughs, but as an asset class, a lot of people have been making a lot of money for a long time in commercial real estate. So yeah. they might not, you know, see the need to innovate or challenge the status quo. Yeah. And I say so like, I, I would use this as an example. Like I would, I would start saying like, okay, yeah. Finding a type of building is great. Anybody can find a type of building, but you know, how do you know it's like the up and coming neighborhood? It's the, or, or exactly. it's the neighborhood that's not up and coming. Like, did a Whole Foods close three months ago? Okay, what does that tell you about the asset class in the area or who's leaving the area or what's, what the changes are? And does that fit your investment model? Yep. You know, like some of those things, like that, I would look for that. I would look for some Whole Foods, probably Trader Joe's, Starbucks. Soul cycle. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know. Perfect Venn diagram. Of, uh, <laughs> all the millennial uh, avocado toast yeah. eating lovers, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that's just my my uh, type of neighborhood. Okay. So let, let's talk uh, if we can, I love to go into fundraising just a little bit. Um, you know, so I, I think you guys have kind of broken out away from the pack of prop tech. And I don't want to say cause you're not prop tech, but you've, you've really definitely established yourselves as a leader in the category yeah. uh, beyond your fundraising, but fundraising has been uh, a, definitely one of those factors to say like, Hey, Rihanna is doing something different. Yeah. You yeah. Know, uh, Crunchbase, I don't know how accurate it is, 
says 128 million raised today. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I think it's a, a shade under 130. That yeah. is a boatload of cash. Yes. <laughs> Can you share with me your fundraising strategy or some of your, like how you look at fundraising? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, fundraising should be a means to an end. Fundraising should not be done just as a vanity play or as, you know, as a, as a way to sort of uh, one up uh, anything. So we've always done it. I've always done it in a deliberate fashion and said, okay, well, um, let's raise not when we need to, um, because then you're not in a really position of strength, but let's always have conversations with smart, like-minded investors on an ongoing basis. Let's tell them about our business. Let's a little bit call our shots, right? Say we're going to hit a home run that way. And then lo and behold, you, you hit two. And they follow you over several months and quarters and even years, right? And as they see your vision sharpen and crystallize and, 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 and come to fruition, right? Um, that's where the magic happens. And you have these like-minded folks where it ends up being organic, right? The way I liken it is almost like, meeting somebody, you know, on a date uh, organically, right? At, at, in the library or the supermarket or wherever. I've been married now for a long time and with my wife for over 20 years, so I don't know where people meet. <laughs> or versus doing it on a dating app, right? Um, which is much more, you know, you're doing it for that purpose and you're, the analogy Expectations is, have already been set. Exactly, and, 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 and again, that, that is a means to an end and that is a fine way of, of doing it. And, and the analogy and the fundraising is you run a process, right? You you've got your hit list of 20, 30 firms, you, you've got your pitch deck, you go, you present to everyone, you get feedback, you go to the second round at some of them, and then you find your two to three who will offer a term sheet, you negotiate, you sign one term sheet, and then boom, you're done. We've, all, we've never done that. We've always done it where we have these long-term relationships that we've built with a very select curated set of investors, right? These are investors who we believe understand our vision, our mission, uh, and who we believe we can learn from as well, right? We can enhance and sharpen that. Uh, and uh, so the the fundraising, whether it's our Series B led by Bain Capital, our Series C led by Sapphire Ventures, SAP's venture arm, or whether it's our Series D led by Georgian Partners, a, a large uh, a VC firm up in Canada, and a number of banks who participated as well, Wells Fargo, City, a few others. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's always been this sort of organic coming together of the minds and saying, hey, imagine what we could do if we raise the money now in order to invest in our R&D and the, and the core IP that we have. And so uh, that's where really, uh, as I mentioned, that Series D came about late last year. Now, it, I'm very fortunate that it came about then, right? Because I did not have a crystal ball knowing that there'd be a global pandemic that would, uh, you know, at the very least, be a pretty strong headwind through fundraising. Now, companies will still fundraise, but, you know, it's going to make it tougher. Um, so we're fortunate to be in the position we're in, for sure. Uh, when, when preparation meets uh, opportunity right there. Yes. There uh, everybody wants, to, everyone wants to experience a little bit of luck. And certainly in business, you know, uh, I think anybody will agree that, yeah, there's some luck that happens, but the luck doesn't happen to those who are unprepared, I think you know, having, you were having those conversations. Yeah. Were, and that, that was our version of the preparation. Exactly. Just having those relationships. So it wasn't, you know, um, a, a, we weren't sort of caught on our, on our heels. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I, and I appreciate that. I think that's, um, there's, a, there's a lot packed in there. Uh, it, for, I think for people to, to think through, and obviously I think the narrative of the last year 
uh, or so has changed a little bit. The tone has changed a little bit on fundraising and what it means to raise a lot of money and, and why yeah. to do it or should you do it. Um, you know, of course, I think uh, uh, um, Andreessen's newest post kind of kind of hit, well, a handful of people have hit hard on the blitz scaling uh, methodology lately of, yeah. hey, is this the right thing right now? Should we be going that path? And and I don't hear any of that coming from you of, hey, we're just blitz scaling. We are spending to to grow at all costs. No, no, no. We, we, I've, I've always been uh, adverse to that. We've always been very fiscally conservative, financially conservative. And, and just to hammer the point, we when we raised our Series D, we hadn't spent any of our Series C money. And that was a $30 million round. So uh, we truly didn't need the capital. Uh, and wow. the reason we did it, again, was to reaffirm um, you know, this belief in our platform and also to make this the last round we need to raise. So we don't really, we, we are operating and running the business as though we do not need to take another round of private funding unless we choose to, or we go to the debt market or whatever it is. But like that is our mindset and that informs every decision we make. Good on you guys. That's awesome. Got a war chest ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to shift here. Uh, we're going to go into the bottom of the show segments. Uh, this is my favorite part of the show. Uh, Rich, this is what I call for the future. Uh, this is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to get their best predictions based on the following four questions. Rich, you ready to play? I am ready, although in this day and age, predictions, I think, are even harder. So I feel like I am on uh, the double hot seat in this case. Nah, it's all good. You got this. Uh, first one here, what's Reonomy look like one year from now? Uh, I mean, yeah, as I said, that, that is a tough one. I, you know, you and I were talking about this on the pre-show. Uh, a lot more virtual, right? I mean, we, we, we are headquartered or were headquartered. I, I don't even know what to say anymore in New York City. Uh, and, and so we made the decision to go fully remote, uh, almost two months ago now, uh, when it really started to, to pick up in New York and, you know, with this new normal and, and having to, uh, have really strict social distancing, disinfection, et cetera, up until there's a vaccine, um, you know, in a year from now, I, I think we will still be, uh, at least mostly, uh, remote, uh, maybe with a small office presence with, with some, uh, sort of, uh, you know, you sign up for slots when you can go in. But, uh, you know, I know that's not a business thing, but that is very top of mind for me as a CEO right now. And so that's probably how I'd answer that question. All right. Question number two, what will prop tech as an industry look like a year from now? Um, uh, good question again. And as you mentioned, if, if you're to listen to Mike Beckerman, prop tech as an industry right now doesn't exist anymore, right? Uh, uh, and I think there's something to that. I think what he means by that is, look, and, and we talked about it, I, I don't think you called anyone out, but there are a lot of companies that have sprouted out and gotten funding in the broadly defined prop tech market over the last few years yeah. that are not viable, sustainable, scalable businesses. Sure, we'll stop, yeah. right? They do not have the right unity economics. They do not really have product market fit. Um, they have good marketing, good branding, but it is not a scalable business. And so I think what this crisis is going to precipitate is the sort of culling of the herd, uh, you know, to be a little uh, draconian. So I, I think that prop tech as an industry will be massively rationalized and there will be a rising, uh, or a ra as I said, rationalization and a rising to the top of a select few number of companies, um, uh, 
that, that really are viable sort of uh, companies that I guess you don't have to label as prop tech anymore. They're just solutions. They're just platforms. They're just, you know, whatever they are within uh, the real estate space. I, I have to share with you. I sometimes create visuals as someone is speaking to help reinforce what they're saying. And as you were, you were saying that I thought of curds and whey. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so there you the go. successful, the successful <laughs> prop tech companies will have formed into curds will then enter the deep fryer and become delicious treats for all. There while the go. whey is just off Shut to the up. side. There it is. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> wow. There you go. Uh, question number three, what's one industry trend do you think will continue, but you wish would go away? That is a good question um, that I think will, um, look, I do think that there are still, there is, there will still be some resistance to adoption because certain folks within large companies almost politicize tech and cast it with a stigma and data. And, and um, you see this in, in, in large companies where, you know, if it's somebody's project or somebody brought, you know, company X in and they are no longer there, then the next person will say, well, we should get rid of this just because it was, you know, his or her thing. Uh, and that's true for every industry. That's true for most every solution. And I just don't think that's going to go away in commercial real estate. It's not going to go away in other industries either. And I, you know, as, as a guy who historically has never liked the politicization of business, whether it's like how you come, climb up the corporate ladder because, you know, you latch onto the right person or, 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 or uh, you, you, you're in good graces, I, I wish that would go away because to me it's just deeply inefficient. All right. And uh, number four here for the future, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Yeah, look, I think it's just as much tech advances as well as what we're going through. And I sort of alluded to it with us personally. I think office space is going to be dramatically reimagined. It has to, um, especially in large markets and in, in, in large buildings, right? You cannot socially distance in an elevator where you're inches away from, you know, over a dozen strangers potentially, right? Every day. Every day, right? And then you can't have a bullpen of, you know, 50 inside sales reps sitting, you know, elbow to elbow, Um that just won't work anymore. On, again, up until we will have a vaccine, but that's widely adopted and used and efficient and efficacious. Uh, but that might take years, right? So I think uh, office specifically, but same applies to retail and others, but office will have to undergo a fundamental reimagining uh, starting now. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't know if you follow Gerard Peleg. Uh, yes. his work on reimagining and well, his book reimagined, I think rethinking yeah. actually rethinking, rethinking real estate. Yeah. Um, but he's been sharing a ton of, uh, I think valuable insights on this very topic. And I, I think the, the writing is very clear, if you will, that a lot has to be totally reimagined or rethought. Has to. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to move into the last three, uh, Richie's questions for our listeners to get to know you better. Uh, first one is what are you reading? Uh, Right now, I'm reading an awful lot of news. I probably shouldn't, but uh, uh, that is mostly what I'm reading. And I'm reading a lot of uh, kids' books to my kids uh, before Very bed. Cool. Um, that's really what's, what's consuming my, my time. Love it. Question number two, uh, who are you learning from? That's a good question. And uh, so I, 
I mentioned it a few times uh, over the past you know hour or so. I've learned a ton from uh, our investors, my board specifically. We've got a really great group of investors, and and um, you know, the Mike, who, who's from Bain Capital, he's been with us through thick and thin, right through that OS moment, right in in LA, and and learned a ton from him over the years in terms of how to just dispassionately think about the business in a very objective, rational, measured way versus to your point, get carried away by uh, fads, trends, what others are doing, blitz growth or everything. And, and that's been invaluable to, to me. Yeah. Last one here, what inspires you? Uh, this might sound cheesy, but it's very true. I have been inspired by the way our, our 130 plus, you know, Reonimist have sort of, really risen to the challenge of um, going fully remote while still running a big and growing business. That has been absolutely inspiring to see. And, and, and uh, I've also been inspired of how they've lifted each other's spirits when one sees that the other might be, you know, going through a tough time or a little down or, you know, missing their home or their office or the camaraderie. Yeah. It's been amazing seeing that um, sort of play out before my uh, digital screen over the last uh, month or two. That's very cool. Uh, Rich, before we close out, hey, first, thank you so much for your time and for Absolutely. sharing what reonomy has been up to, where you guys have been uh, going. Uh, congrats to you guys on, on the success you've been having. Uh, it's been fun to watch, especially since the first time, you know, we had uh, Sam represent you guys on TechNest. I don't ever like to say it's because you guys were on the show, but you know, it does Direct seem to correlation. line up. Correlation is causation. In this <laughs> you know, it's just one of those attribution challenges. Yeah. Um, but before we close out, um, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about Reonomy, what are the best ways for, the, for them to do that? Uh, so for Reonomy, we've got a, a, a great site with a lot of information on it. And, and uh, as I said, anyone can sign up for a free trial with, with no credit card required or anything like that, reonomy.com. Super easy. There's also phone numbers, uh, you know, to reach. Uh, and and if they want to reach out to me, easy. Rich at reonomy.com. Always love to hear from uh, folks, uh, whether it's entrepreneur, folks in the industry. Um, you know, uh, as I said, I've, I've I've lost my hair doing a lot of this. So I'm happy to impart uh, whatever uh, sort of uh, scar tissue. Been working and, hard, man. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I really appreciate this. Um, you know, and uh, I'm sure. Once the all the restrictions uh, loosen up, I mean, I, I have to make a trip to New York, so I'd love to be able to swing by and uh, meet you and maybe see some of the team and all that. Um, once meeting in person sounds great right about now. Sounds but, uh, so good, well, man. Yeah, I, well, well, I'm going to go in debt for all the drinks I owe people. I know exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, let's uh, let's keep touching. Until then, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list so you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.